everyone. Welcome to So Good Sisterhood. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband Todd and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood is a podcast that is all about investing in every girl from every generation. It's this opportunity to have relevant conversations every single month about living intentionally, leading confidently, and loving generously. And hopefully it will leave you saying, that was so good. Hey everyone, welcome back to the So Good Sisterhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining in today. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and we have been in this summer series of conversations, and they've been all about building a culture of life-giving community in our relationships, just so that we don't miss out on the full, abundant, beyond normal life that Jesus actually came to give us and he talks about in John chapter 10. Well, here in South Florida at our home church, we actually have something that we call the sisterhood code, and we talk about it a lot. But if you're a guy and you're listening, and I I know you're out there because I've been, you guys have been stopping me at some of our campus locations and pulling me off. I thought you're going to tell me some deep, dark secret. They're like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast, but don't tell anyone. So, but guys, I know that you're out there. Don't tune out because I'm talking about the sisterhood code, because this code is really all about some solid wisdom for life and leadership. And, And all throughout the summer, we've been unpacking the code. So it's wisdom like sisters stay strong when they stick together. And you know, community really matters for all of us, that we champion the calling of every girl for every generation. And this is all about building a counterculture culture that elevates celebration over competition. And then we talk about that we write wrongs and we rewrite stories, that we will be a voice for women in our community and around the world who have lost their voice because of poverty or trauma or anything that might have stolen it. And so I cannot believe that we are actually in the last episode of our summer series. And I am so pumped about this episode because it really is all about a life story that is being totally rewritten. You know, today we have one of my favorite people back on the podcast. She is no stranger. As a matter of fact, she's been a a guest every season and you are actually the most frequent guest on the podcast. So, and there's several reasons because Irene, you are not a guest. You're actually family. So, you know, I know I can just call you up anytime Mm -hmm. and you'll jump in. And and the second reason is I always look for any excuse for us to hang out. (laughs) But here's the deal that, you know, Irene, she is an incredible mom a wife, a pastor, friend, communicator. And as of this week, she is a future New York Times bestselling author. Did you like how I got all prophetic there? Irene Rollins, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Pastor Julie. I love you so much. And I love my So Good Sisterhood family. I get to meet so many people at church on Sundays who run up to me and tell me what they're learning from the podcast, their takeaways. I love that. And people message me on uh, social media with their stories, and I love it. It's amazing. I love it. I love learning and growing with women. It's awesome. I love it. And I love that you've been just pouring into our Celebrate Recovery crowd. Those are my Shout out to all the Celebrate Recovery girls. Girls and guys, That's I know right. you're out there. Um, mm-hmm. But hey, did you ever think that author would be added to your list of credentials? I did not. It, like <laughs> literally, it was a secret dream wow. that I never said out loud, yeah. and um, I just kind of kept it to myself. And then when I went through uh, my journey, I and the everyone I came around kept saying, "Irene, you got to write a book. Irene, you got to write a book." And I'm like, "Okay, I think I'm gonna do this." Yeah, yeah. And you've been 
you've been doing it. It's yeah. amazing. And mm-hmm. this week, the week that we're recording this podcast, you have just you're just releasing your book, mm-hmm. Reframe Your Shame. Yes. And I have had the honor of reading it and I loved it. And honestly, I am not gonna stop recommending this. So make sure you follow us on social media this week, listeners, because we are gonna be giving away autographed copies of Irene's book all week long. And you know, I, I want to take some time today to to talk about this in I'm going to jump right into it because you've got a lot to share. Mm-hmm. We don't want to give everything away, yes. but we definitely want to give enough away that they're going to know that right. they do not want to miss reading this book. So you have this incredible story, just a testimony of the power of the Holy Spirit to just mm-hmm. transform a life, a family, generations to come. And you have so authentically shared that story with me as a close friend, right? And you've shared it on, on many platforms now, but, but it's pretty raw. And, um, and, and you had to really go to some deep places to be able to write this story. And so I would love to hear from you. What gave you the courage? What inspired you to write this book at this time, reframe your shame? I literally looked at my life and I said, all this pain that I've been through Mm -hmm. has got to count for Mm -hmm. something. And my experience, my pain, my family's pain, I wanted it to benefit other people. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that led me to my rock bottom um, (laughs) when I ended up in rehab in 2015 as a pastor, as a wife, as a mother, um, was toxic shame. It like I literally was so ashamed of myself that I didn't want to live anymore, but had been medicating with alcohol. And, uh, you know, I thought to myself when all was said and done and we turned the corner in my journey of recovery, like God's got to be able to use this for good. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, 28. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's not just going to be for the good of me and my family, but for everyone else yeah. who hears the story. So that's kind of where the unction came from yeah. behind it. That. It's like God's promises. Mm-hmm. He's going to use this for good. And my pain is going to count for something. I love that. And and that's what, that is God's promise. And mm-hmm. that's what he does for all of us. And I yes. think, you know, as much as your, your, this book is going to tell the story of, um, of shame mm-hmm. and, and, and um, alcohol abuse and and some of the you know addiction issues, but it also just I think is going to inspire people yeah. that that God wants to do this in their lives too. Mm-hmm. And so I I love this and I'm I love what you just said. And would you agree with me when I say that you know that that alcoholism mm-hmm. was actually a symptom, 100%. but shame was really the sickness. Yes, and so. You can't just treat the symptoms, nope. but you had to go after the sickness. And I think that's what this book is all about. And I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they're dealing with shame and they may not even know they're dealing with shame. How would you like define or articulate what shame is? Absolutely. Like I didn't think of shame before I learned about it, before my medical file at rehab got labeled toxic shame as a uh, condition and a disorder that I had um, that led me to my alcoholism. I did not know it was a thing. So (laughs) first of all, shame goes so deep. It runs so deep from a spiritual standpoint, mental health, to um, even how it transfers in the womb. Like it Mm -hmm. starts like even, like you said, generationally, like Mm -hmm. way before we even came about. And um, just after I did some digging and realizing that shame is such a powerful emotion, it Mm -hmm. is actually the most 
powerful emotion. Wow. Yeah. So when we emotions were created by God, but shame says, I am bad. Mm-hmm. I'm when we get humiliated and we feel the pain of what shame brings up in us. We do the hiding game. We isolate. Mm-hmm. We um, we believe that there is something fundamentally wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was in 2015. Wow. There's something wrong with me. I'm mm-hmm. broken. I'm unfixable. Wow. God's grace applies to everyone else but me. His forgiveness applies to everyone else but me. I'm too bad mm-hmm. to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. That's what shame says. I am bad. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it it really speaks to the how we identify ourselves. So right. like our identity, when we allow shame to become toxic, uh, what it can do is it can really harm the way we see ourselves mm-hmm. because it's inward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the narrative in the script is I'm broken, I'm unfixable. Um you then you you're hopeless and mm-hmm. you start you you literally start to question things that we believe in the word of God right. as Christians mm-hmm. that's, about ourselves. That's that's so good. It's, it's actually so important, right? Um, because I think when you get in that toxic shame cycle, it's hard to even receive the grace and the forgiveness and and to even believe that God has more for you. Because yeah. even though you know you might not verbally say I am bad, you know mm-hmm. you start to believe things about yourself. Believe that this isn't for you. What what God has for everyone else isn't really for you, and right. and this isn't just for people that are dealing with addictions or you know or, right. or bad habits. I I I've dealt with this. Like mm-hmm. I remember just even just a few years ago, just going, I have been a believer for this long. Why do I still keep blowing it with my kids or you know dealing with bitterness or you know the things that just just can take hold of us. And so even in my mind, I'm going, I should be better than this. Gotcha. I have been a believer for such a long time that, you know, that how could God forgive me of this when Mm. I should actually know better? I just don't think, I think that for all of us, whatever, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, that we have to like watch out for the red flag of shame, right? And so you hit rock bottom, but shame isn't just for people on the rock bottom. That's right. When you hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that it's time that you have to do something about it. And yes. so um, I, I love. Can did I you want to say, something? yeah, please, There's something add something there. To like that. you made me think about you shamed yourself in that yeah. moment. So we do that unconsciously. Yes. We can take on a, a script and a narrative that uh, I did so instead of guilt, I did something right. bad and I can say I'm sorry and to mm-hmm. change the behavior. Right. Shame says there's something wrong with me and we put shame on ourselves. Right. This whole shame journey had me rethink the way even we speak to our kids. Wow. The way mm-hmm. as Christians we look at other people who sin different than us. Right. Because we put shame on yeah. people when we judge them. We say shame on you to our kids. We've heard it growing up. There's not one person that walks the face of this earth that does not deal with the emotion of shame. Mm-hmm. So to your point, it is not just addiction. It is not just when you've uh, you know done something that you think you can't be forgiven for. Like right. we have been someone has told us like mm-hmm. you are um, your hair, I'm biracial. People have you know growing up I was bullied about my hair, my skin color, wow. the way I talk. Like we have been shamed verbally. Mm-hmm. We've been Shamed on social media. Yeah. Uh, this generation, oh. oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, don't get caught doing something mm-hmm. embarrassing right. and it goes viral. Mm-hmm. Like, 
we can be shamed in so many ways and have to battle through that mm-hmm. and get to the other side. Or of something it. that you did embarrassing 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> so everything's up, you know, up for grabs in exactly. this culture. But I, I love what you said because there is a difference between guilt and shame. That's right. Like when we do something wrong, we're guilty, right? right? And so the Holy Spirit convicts us of that, but we can ask for forgiveness and, you know, it says that God's mercies are new every morning and his forgiveness is free for anyone that asks. Um, so that's, that's guilt mm-hmm. and that there's, there's hope and there's conviction in guilt. But then with shame, there is hopelessness, yes. right? And condemnation. And condemnation. condemnation. That is the key word, self-condemnation. And self-condemnation. <laughs> and the enemy will use whatever he can mm-hmm. to keep us where we are. That's right. And, and not move forward. So I love this. But, but I think that um, but everything about your book is about moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's about holding on to hope. It's about, yes, I can confront what I've done wrong, and I can still embrace the future that God That's has for right. me. And so um, I love just even the whole concept of the book. Where did the idea about the power of reframing come from? Reframing, oh my gosh, like I think it was through the where it first got inspired was when I was in rehab and I started hearing stories about the doctors, nurses, all the young and old people, people from all walks of life who are sharing their stories. And I'll never forget when I finally admitted my alcoholism on day 38, uh, this doctor who was a Christian walked up to me in the AA meeting and he said, your story is going to inspire so many people and help so many people. He just spoke over me like, I see God turning this around and using it to help and mm-hmm. save the lives of many people, Genesis 50, 20. Right. And he started talking to me about Joseph and he's like, oh my gosh, Joseph thought he was in the pit, he mm-hmm. was in the prison, and he was, mm-hmm. and experienced experienced the pain and the humiliation and the, all of that, but look at how God ended up using him mm-hmm. to save the lives of his yep. family, his siblings, generations were impacted. And I was like, you know what? There's something to this whole looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Then I go into mm-hmm. counseling and the counselors are like, Irene, you, you, when I would share my story, they would ask me... It, exploratory questions like that challenged my thinking. Mm. Like, is that thought 100% true? Mm-hmm. Like before there was a, th- a need to medicate, there was a problem with my thought life. Yeah. So before alcoholism, in my thought life, I had negative self-talk. And I would shame myself. All of these things that I said over myself, yeah. the counselors helped me begin to unpack and turn around and look from a different perspective, mm-hmm. even if it was true. Right. Like, yes, right. sexual abuse happened. Mm-hmm. Yes, that trauma happened. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was date rape and promiscuity in wow. my past. And I felt such shame about that. But they said, but look at how you, let, let, they actually made me turn it around mm-hmm. and look at it from a different perspective. Like you are a new creation right. in Christ Jesus. The, you know, in Isaiah, um, <laughs> for, what is it, 43, you just yeah, helped 43, me with that 18 earlier. and 19. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that scripture mm-hmm. helped me because it really spoke to my identity. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to look at myself the way God sees me. That is the truth, not this lie that the father of lies, the enemy, tries right. to plant in my head this right. narrative. So reframing my perspective on the way I saw myself, then it impacted 
the way I saw others Mm -hmm. and related with others, and then it impacted also my relationship with God. I love this. Because then when I reframed Mm -hmm. how uh, I saw my Father in Mm -hmm. heaven as this gracious, loving God, not someone who's punishing me or, um, you know, when he disciplines me, puts me in the corner and I have to look at the corner of the wall with a dunce hat on, that's not the God that I serve. The God that I serve sent his only son Mm -hmm. uh, to experience a humiliating death and so that he Jesus could experience the same things that we mm-hmm. experience, but mm-hmm. still come out on the other side. Right. Like talk about reframing. Anyway, no, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But <laughs> the, I got I could just get so excited about the Bible just being chock full mm-hmm. of messed up people <laughs> and how God Absolutely. turns their lives around. Absolutely. So, I mean, so I think there's more stories that are cautionary tales than examples to follow, right. you know? And so, and again, God's so good to us mm-hmm. to just give us a lot of broken people, you yeah. know, to read their stories. But I, I love what you said about um, reframing that, that you had to start looking at your pit where you mm-hmm. were rock bottom differently. And, you know, just in the story of Joseph that had there not been a pit there would have never been a palace. That's right. And so uh, had there not, and actually he went from pit to prison, you know, to a palace. But mm-hmm. had, he, had there not been the pit and the prison, there never would have been a palace. And this is just, again, the story of just such a redemptive God who takes the very worst things in our life, turns them around. Um, but there is this... There is this um, this posture that we have to take, and I love this because I think reframing is part of that posture because shame will always keep us at a distance. Mm-hmm. See, guilt can you know if we if we respond to guilt and we ask for forgiveness, we we draw close to God again. But shame is constantly keeping from the distance. I mean, what did Adam and Eve do when they sinned? They they sh- they ran away and they hid, yeah. and because they were ashamed, right? Mm-hmm. They were, and we we know that passage, but but it kept them distant. God's pursuing, but they went, they ran, mm-hmm. um, and so that's what it does. It just it keeps us distant. It keeps us distant from other people. Because, like you mm-hmm. said earlier, it was hard for you, mm-hmm. you know, to to have healthy relationships with others when you had so much negative self talk. Yes. So you're bringing that. So it keeps bringing that into every relationship you're in, and so shame just keeps you distant. But mm-hmm. what you're talking about here by reframing your shame is is actually drawing close to God, mm-hmm. drawing close to um, drawing close to other people as you are working on yourself. I love this. And, um, and I love that even, you know, like when you were, um, when you fall, you can go to the scripture and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and know that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. That's right. That, um, that every time, you know, that it's like, oh gosh, I regret everything in my past. Well, you know, that's okay because what the enemy meant for evil, God is turning for good and, and we can go to the word of God to help reframe all of this. So, um, but you talked about this label of toxic shame mm-hmm. and, and that label that was placed on you. Would you just unpack that just a little bit more? What exactly is that label? And um, and what effects does this kind of toxic shame? What did it have on the effect it have on you, and maybe what you've seen it has on other people? Sure. So when we don't um, understand shame and it impacts us in this negative way, it can become toxic 
and impact our mental health. And the way it does is because, again, we're attacking our inner, our inner wounds, our, our mindset is saying, I am bad, there's something so wrong with me, and our thinking about ourselves is skewed. So that led to depression anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I had this lack of awareness that this was going on inside of me and I was, I couldn't have, I didn't have words, Julie. I didn't have words to describe the misery that was going on inside my heart. I lifted my hands in worship at church. Um, I was a good Christian, did all the good Christian things, but internally I was suffering with depression and anxiety about how I felt about myself and couldn't say it out loud. So yes, that hiding, that isolation, what happens is at some point it's we go into fight, flight, or freeze, right? Mm-hmm. The, the emotion of shame sends actually triggers our limbic system. And so what our brain is telling us fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I froze, A lot of the time I would flee and hide, but here's the thing. We're not meant to stay there. It was meant to be a survival mechanism when God created the emotion of shame. Like, so like running, like it's a survival thing. So fight, flight, or freeze is a survival mechanism. We aren't supposed to stay there. So when we stay there too long, what happens in our Uh, to our bodies as our nervous system goes into overload. Mm -hmm. And when the nervous system goes into overload, we have anxiety. And then we want the pain to end, so we reach for something. Mm -hmm. And that's where the habit, the self-defeating habits um, begin to form. So it's, you know, I reached for alcohol unknowingly because I didn't know anything about addiction. So I didn't know that that feel-good come down off of my day um, because I was a functional alcoholic during the day, I was went to work, functioned, but it was at night that I needed something to calm the pain and the nerves. Mm-hmm. It was shame and anxiety and depression that was toxic. Yeah, it had affected my mental health, and so without awareness of the addiction spectrum, and that I went down that road, and it ended me up in a full-blown addiction. And that's why part of the reason why I wrote this book is not just to talk about alcoholism, but it's to share with people and bring awareness to the slippery slope of addiction and how any of us can fall into it. First Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 12, and I love the message version. Um, It talks about how uh, all of us can fall flat on our faces. So like just as easily as anybody else, it says. So stop having uh, confidence in ourselves, but have cultivate God confidence. Like we can't do this life thing without right. God and mm-hmm. without Jesus. And all of us have the propensity to want to take pain away in one way, shape, or form. And that can be with a person. It's not just substances. Right. We can use a person to medicate our pain. Mm-hmm. We can use a place. We can um, use, uh, like a lot of the time, since shame is so inward and says, I am bad, the way we mask it, the way we deal with it in in our lack of awareness is uh, through perfectionism, mm. through performing, right. through avoidance. And that can become self-defeating over mm-hmm. time because that performance thing, like eventually we're going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. We're going to fail at something. Right, right. And then the narrative starts. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to stop the narrative of shame in your head, you can go down the slippery slope of anxiety, depression, I am bad, negative self-talk, mm-hmm. and end up, you know, 
just in a really bad place emotionally. Mm-hmm. Th- that's so good because I think also, Irene, that this book is um, is for anyone, anyone who is dealing with shame or anyone that is in a relationship with somebody that's dealing with shame or that's addiction. Right. Um, I think that it just gives a window into a world that um, that just brings about so much more understanding. And and you actually, in the book, you dive into places that 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 are in all of our lives that may need to be reframed. And I think as Christians, you know, I think sometimes we forget that our decision to follow Jesus was not the end goal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like, yay, I'm going to heaven someday and mm-hmm. now I don't have to go to hell. You know, this de- this decision is actually starting a relationship that transform us, transforms us from the inside out, finding out what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as it says in you know Luke and Matthew. But, but Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, he wants to take us all on this journey of reframing. That's what transformation is. It's about reframing our minds and our hearts and our and, and, and our souls. And this is what I love about your book. There's so much, so much practical discipleship. And you dive into some places into, you know, in, in our lives that that need reframing. Our our story needs reframed, our recovery, fear, identity, dysfunction, what normal really is. And I would love to dive into all of these areas, but we're not gonna have time. So I just wanted to pick just a couple of highlights from the book. And um, I think that one that all of us have dealt with at one time or another that you talk about is how to reframe fear. And so mm. I would love for you to unpack how do we reframe fear when we have, you know, the fear of the future, the fear of a failure, the fear of, of not being able to get out of the situation we're in. That's right. I mean, fear really and shame are so connected because fear, when we fear anyone knowing that there's this Thing that we did or something, mm. uh, we failed at something. We fear being rejected, so we hide. We hide in shame. So fear, uh, when we deal, like start looking at fear through the lenses of, okay, fear is something that makes us feel foreboding, like a sadness. Mm. Like when we fear, we hide. Um, yeah. We reject ourselves. We reject others. So we have to deal with fear from the sense that um, it's holding us back from being our mm-hmm. showing up, being mm-hmm. our best and authentic selves. So when we allow fear in, we're we're believing the narrative that we're not enough. When we allow fear in, we're not facing uh, the thing, whatever that thing is that's trying to send this message mm-hmm. that. Again, that one liner that I, when, if I had to say there was one thing in my journey of recovery that I have had to overcome, it's a one sentence that I said over myself, and it's, I am not enough. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. We have this fear of not being enough. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that in uh, our healing journey, the Lord really spoke to me about um, confronting that, speaking to it, yeah. looking at it and saying, you know what, like all through the Bible, if you just look up the word uh, fear in the Bible, scriptures about fear, there are a boatload yeah. that you can meditate on. Yeah. And I just sat right there like, <laughs> okay, Lord, you know I'm fearful. Mm-hmm. You know this is something that we struggle with as humans. Mm-hmm. So take me through and re- reframe, change this mind of mine, right. renew this mind of mine mm-hmm. as I meditate on your word so that now I believe because I've said it enough, I've recognized it, mm-hmm. I've spoken to it with right. the word of God for long enough that now that's where my brain goes 
egos mm-hmm. when I feel the emotion of shame or feel the emotion of guilt or fear, or mm-hmm. whatever. Like when it comes up, now my mind goes mm-hmm. to the truth so because good. I've meditated on mm-hmm. it for so long. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that. I love that, Irene. And you know, I I would expect that probably on some of your journey, there's probably some fear as you were coming out of the addiction and you were facing these real feelings, right, of pain, having to deal with the pain of your past. And I can imagine even just the fear of how your journey was going to impact your kids. And I just have to say that, um, that again, this whole reframing and declaring God's word over your family and over your situation, that, um, that the same God who was faithful in your past just continues to wait for you in your future. And I mm-hmm. love watching your kids, you know, um, and just seeing the wholeness and the health and how God has just brought so much good out of what you were probably scared to death to face. And so again, just such your whole testimony is a reframing of that fear. Um, and you know, it is for you listeners, if you haven't heard um, Irene's testimony, we're going to link some, um, some of her teachings into the show notes. And we'll also link a previous podcast where she shared a little bit more of her story. But you know, um, Irene, another part that you talk about um, in your book is about reframing our identity. And so I'd love for you to just unpack a little bit of that, of what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, I literally had to dig deep and start thinking, reminding myself that I am a daughter of the Most High God. Yeah. I'm a child of the King. Mm-hmm. I am who He says that I am. That's right. So mm-hmm. when those shaming messages and that I am enough uh, came up for me, whenever that script would play, I began to speak to it with Psalm 139, <laughs> like I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He wonderfully made me complex, imper- perfectly imperfect. He made yeah. me flossom. Flossom <laughs> is just simply flossom. Yeah, that's, that's I love a new that word. word. Yeah, yeah that's someone awesome. who is flawed yeah. but knows they are awesome. I love that anyway. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I had to embrace about mm-hmm. my identity. Like God made me imperfect on purpose. Like I don't have to be perfect. I don't know where I got this idea I that I had to have mm-hmm. it all together. Yeah, keep it all together. Be super mom. Be the super pastor. Be the you know uh, right? take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was codependent speaking, but um, you know, I had all of these things that 100% were leading me down this road of not really um, honoring myself and taking care of myself. So if I'm a daughter of the King, if God created me, um, you know, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, then abusing alcohol or whatever it is that I'm doing that's damaging this mm-hmm. temple that he gave me is then not okay. Right. Like I have to care for this thing. And I think when you're stuck in shame, you don't think you're good enough. So you ignore your body, you ignore your needs, mm-hmm. you detach from yourself. Right. People who've experienced trauma, PTSD, you detach mm-hmm. and you completely almost like forget to care and honor for yourself. Mm -hmm. So part of my journey of recovery was saying, valuing who I am, my worth and my identity in Christ. And so because I'm worthy, because I'm inherently worthy, because God loves me just the way I am, I can ask for what I need. Mm -hmm. I can ask for what I want. I can have boundaries. And that's actually becoming a functional adult. Right. And so, you know, we walk around a lot of the time not realizing because we are, our present was shaped by our past, mm-hmm. but um, we 
walk around not being functional adults. And functional adults and adulting is something that is so basic and we try, it's so funny because being a functional adult, uh, let me start here, is someone who um, really understands and honors their inner wounds Mm. and who they are on the inside. So that's your tapping into your true identity. Mm. I know who I am. I know my worth and my value. So therefore, I'm going to assert boundaries. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I will have self-care and I will take care of myself Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I am a child of God. Right. Like this gift of life that he's Mm -hmm. given me, I got to take care of it. Mm -hmm. So my identity, I really, in Christ, I really had to reframe the way I saw Mm -hmm. myself as bad, Mm -hmm. broken, and start to care for myself Mm -hmm. and and change that thinking. And it took scripture, Mm -hmm. it took practice, it took self-care, it took counseling, it took celebrate recovery, it took friends, books, Mm -hmm. podcasts, like just to change my mind about myself. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that it was that hard? Like it was that hard. I can. To reframe the shame because mm-hmm. the shame was my normal. That dysfunction mm-hmm. was my normal mm-hmm. for 38 years. Wow. And the shame became part of your identity. Yes. It, that, I mean, so again, I think sometimes, that, and, and that's how you saw yourself. Mm-hmm. You saw yourself as broken. You saw yourself when you've you know finally admitted it. You, you saw yourself yeah. as an addict. You saw yourself yeah. as you know as, as as failing. And I think this whole thing about reframing our identity is about refocusing too. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, I can no longer. I mm-hmm. I give up my right to look at myself the way I want to look at myself. Yeah, and I I give up that right to to hand it over yes. to the the king of kings himself, the one who created mm. me, and I choose to see myself yes. the way he sees me. Mm-hmm. And and that is a total, that is about loving God with your mind, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like loving his creation, and it's yeah. hard for us to see ourselves that way, but this is, again, reframing, refocusing, and, and reshaping our identity so that we can, you know, we can see ourselves, and, see, and then that allows us it's it's hard work, but it allows us to see others the way he sees them. Absolutely. You know, others that sin different than us, right? Right. Because we've come face to face with what we've done wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and we've allowed the God that loves us, cares for us to cleanse that, make us new, so that now you can't give what you don't have. Right. So once we've received, we can now give what we've received. And mm-hmm. I love your word, flossom. So Isn't once it shows fun? up in the dictionary, girls, you heard it here first, right? <laughs> it first came out on the So Good Sisterhood podcast. There so I love this. And so um, so I, I, I think this is understanding. I love this understanding, coming to grips with your inner world mm-hmm. and allowing the word of God to transform how you see yourself. Yes. So that's, that's so it. powerful. And, and that's what I love about your whole book is because actually I think there's something that every one of us can mm-hmm. relate to. And if you can't relate to it for yourself, relate to it as a friend, right? So we right. all have that friend, <laughs> that imaginary friend. Uh-huh. Um, but we, you know, to, to be able to, um, we can all relate to it. And, um, and so I'm thinking about somebody out there that's listening right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're dealing with you know, an addiction mm-hmm. or, or they're dealing with not feeling good enough, not feeling enough, um, not feeling like they're the mom that they need to be and, you know, and seeing themselves in this place. And, and they, may not, you know, they may not have been diagnosed with toxic shame, but they're definitely dealing with shame. Um, what would you say is one step mm-hmm. that somebody can take today to begin reframing that shame? 
recognize it first. Mm, yeah. You've got to be able to recognize yeah. it. Where, like, one thing I learned is I feel shame in my gut mm-hmm. and in my chest. You feel warm, a warm sensation going all the way up your chest into your neck. Some of us turn red wow. and blush when we mm-hmm. feel humiliated. We mm-hmm. feel it in our gut, right? So recognize when you're feeling it. You feel it in your body first, mm-hmm. and your body keeps score of that. It tracks so it, true. and it mm-hmm. holds on to it. Mm-hmm. So once we recognize it, oh my gosh, I'm feeling shame. Yeah. So then we can look at it, mm-hmm. try to look at it objectively. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need people, so we'll need counselors. Good. We'll need to be in Celebrate Recovery. We'll need to be... Celebrate Recovery is not just for addictions right. and addicts. Right. It's for people with hangups, like unforgiveness. It's for people with... Uh, hurts like trauma and divorce and things like that because though the effects of those mm-hmm. things is what we need prevents us from being our best That's selves. Right. Mm-hmm. So w- shame loses its power when we recognize it and we speak to it. Right. We say, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, I feel ashamed because that happened to me in my past. Uh, let me speak to it in counseling." It loses its power. We go to the altar. Let me mm-hmm. um, whisper it into the ears of the prayer. Person who's praying for me, so good that it loses its power. Right, like I need help dealing with this struggle, or I'm angry and I'm bitter. That can become a hangup in Mm -hmm. our lives Mm -hmm. and prevent us from connection and relating with God and others. So we we've got to recognize it when it's happening. And we've got to speak to it. Love it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Recognize and then reach out for help. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is so important because God created us to be in community, right? Yes. And I love what you said about when you reach out and community, begin speaking to it, speak about it, bring people into the journey. I love mm-hmm. that you got a counselor, but you also you know, stayed connected with some people that knew you. Mm-hmm. Outside of the counselor's office, That's right. you know, that we're able to speak to it too. And so. I, I know this is hard, listeners. I know this is very, very hard. I'm asking for something that seems so easy, but I understand how hard it is because it goes against a lot of us the way we were raised. Mm-hmm. No talk rule, mm-hmm. keep things in, mm-hmm. stuff and numb. We don't show people that we're weak. We don't let people see us cry, right? Right. We've got to be strong. It goes against everything logically that you may have been taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you on the other side of <laughs> mm-hmm. admitting yeah. that there's shame, admitting there's an emotion, admitting that there's an issue, there's so much freedom and joy. And I mm-hmm. love how um, Psalm 34, 5 talks about when we look to him. So when we're yeah. our, it's like our eyes, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, mm-hmm. it promises that shame will not overtake us, that it. we will be radiant mm-hmm. with joy. Mm-hmm. So hang on to yeah. that. Hang so on good. to that and just know that on the other side of this hard work, mm-hmm. Shame's not going to overtake us. We will be radiant with joy. And I'm a testimony. I'm living my best life, being the best version of myself, (laughs) comfortable in my own skin at 45 years old, Mm -hmm. like muffin tops, scars um, (laughs) from childbirth, all of that. I could care less. I am more confident in in myself today Mm -hmm. with every freckle, Mm -hmm. every insecurity. Like 
I am comfortable in my own skin. And that's because of this journey of reframing that the Lord has had me on. I love it. I love it so much. So this podcast was just an appetizer and you guys need to get the full meal and make sure that you get Irene's book. Irene, how can someone get their book, if, get your book if they want it? Sure. They can visit IreneRollins.com or anywhere where books are sold. Amazon, super easy. It's literally what you're one click away from having the book in your hands. That's awesome. And we're all also going to put a link in the show notes. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're going to be giving away copies all week long. Okay, so we're kind of coming to the end. Um, and so I have one last question for you. We're going to turn the corner, sharp corner, um, because you have just survived your first summer in sunny, otherwise known as very hot South yes. Florida, sunny South Florida. Um, so I'd love to hear if you have a summer hack or snack that you learned in your very first summer here. Oh, yes. So my family is not happy with me about this because I freeze them out. But I close the blinds during the day. Um, <laughs> and um, and I uh, turn the air down really low. And if they fight me on it and I have to open the blinds and turn the air up, my bedroom, though, I turn, I, I close the blinds and turn the fan on extra early. Right. And the bedroom cools down. So by the time I get in the bed, my sheets are cold. And then I put ice cream on order, like automatic delivery from Jenny's ice cream. <laughs> it shows up at my door every 30 days. So I eat a lot of ice cream. Oh to stay my cold. goodness. That's good. What's your favorite flavor oh of Jenny's? Oh my gosh. My favorite right now is watermelon. Okay. Um, the watermelon's mm-hmm. just out for the summer. And awesome. um, there's cherry goat cheese. Mm-hmm. It's so yummy. It's like creamy. It's so good. I had to give away six uh, containers to someone, um, the youth pastor's daughter, or sister, (laughs) I'm sorry, just yesterday, just because I had so much ice cream in my refrigerator. It's it's a little sinful. Oh, that, that is hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, we all have our favorite Jenny's and Jenny's isn't even sponsoring our podcast, but if you want to sponsor it, we'll give you hey. shout outs every single week because <laughs> I'm a big fan too. Okay. That is awesome. Hey ladies, this has been such an incredible season of the So Good podcast. And I cannot believe that we're actually wrapping up season three. So don't forget to check out the show notes. Um, you're going to find everything that you need to know about this episode, a link to um, Irene's book, Reframing Your Shame. And Irene, thank you thank for, you for, for your voice, me. for your honesty, for your authenticity. And for those of you who are listening, you know, you know that there's someone in your life that needs to hear Irene's story. So make sure that you share this episode. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode because we are actually launching season four in September and we don't want you to miss out. And to all of our amazing listeners, I hope that this episode and this whole season has left you saying that that was so good or that was Dem bueno. Is that good? Dem bueno. Okay. And I can't wait to get back together next season. We already are working on an amazing lineup of guests and some really fun surprises. So for now, see you in September. Love you girls. We're so glad you joined us today for the So Good Sisterhood podcast. For additional resources and show notes from today's episode, check out our website, sogoodsisterhood.com. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He's always doing a new thing. What step are you going to take today so you don't miss out on it? If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend or just leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good.